It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome Sandy, thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in DC is Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios. And you still like me or you you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. (laughs) I'm a musician, I can't help it. Uh, Longtime Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. We inherited a real mess. We inherited the facilities we have. We uh, are committed to a policy that uh, follows the rule of law and that is humane. Uh, And we are doing our best to surge capacity to the border, uh, particularly for these children who arrive here without parents, to house them in a way that's safe, to house them in a way that's humane. Uh, they, They must have legalized marijuana in the White House and they're all smoking it because these people are clueless. They have no idea. Let me just give you a practical reality of this, whether it's in a town near, your, near you or Texas. What do you do with this 14 or 15-year-old kid who comes across the border illegally, is sent to some city, put in a school system? He's two or three grade levels behind at best. You can't put a 15-year-old in a fourth grade class. What do we do with him? Yeah. We've seen it. They end up dropping out because their self-esteem is, is, is low. They can't keep up. They either get a low working job for the rest of their life because they have no education or they Worst case, join a gang because that's who recruits them. What are we doing with these people? They come on Medicaid. They have no, they have no real future. The way they're coming across is, is, is a disservice to them. We need legal immigration that is truly humane to the people that come here. I, don't, I just don't understand this. What does the Biden administration think they're doing? Where is the limit? Are we going to let, are we going to let, it probably will be at this pace somewhere around 10 or 12 million just this year. All right, I just uh, wanted you to hear that because that's Dan Patrick uh, from Texas, uh, the uh, Attorney General, I believe he is, or Secretary of State from Texas. I think I have that wrong. He was or is, I'm sorry. Lieutenant Governor, thank you. (laughs) All right, so Ron Klein uh, was the first voice you heard. He's the White House Chief of Staff. And I have not spoken much about the border, but it's huge. And normally, you know, when there would be less happening, I'd be talking about that constantly. But I have to at least put that in there because I want you to know uh, that we have a tremendous problem in so many ways. The cartels are running the border. Uh, it is it's like, it is the Wild West. And as you just heard Dan say, he thinks probably 10 million people will be coming into this country this year. We are in the middle of, uh, reminds me very much of you, if you've ever read the, fall, the Rise and Fall of the Roman Empire, it's an old book, it's a very thick book, I never made my way all the way through it, but I'll never f- forget reading what I read, and that was one of the things that brought Rome down. Rome was not destroyed from the outside, Rome was, destroy- was destroyed from the end because of their corruption and of just uh, decadence. It's it was just, it's an unbelievable, it's, it mirrors, you know, we're mirroring because I think it's human nature. People get prosperous and then they get corrupt, not only financially, but sexually. But the other thing was because then they were so busy in, with their corruption, they did not protect their borders. And uh, it was the hordes, uh, the, uh, the they used to call them the barbars, the barbarians, because their, their uh, conversation, their language what was nonsense to the Roman ear. And so they called them barbars. So the barbarians came, uh, you know, uh, invading Rome, and that's that was just part of it. I believe that is actually 
what we're experiencing. I'm not calling. All right, so I know those. I I know how the left hears that. Oh, she's calling uh, Mexican, uh, Honduran immigrants barbar- barbarians. No, I'm just making um, a comparison uh, to what happens when a when a country, a great country, loses its grip. Um, then this is what happens because Rome was the leader of that world. It was you know built the highways, the Appian Way, the water ducts. It was it was just a stunning achievement. If you see the Roman ruins now, you're just you're still blown away by the things they achieved, and it is very much like the United States. And so it's a sad time, I have to say. Now um, a couple of things, other things that have happened that are just things you need to know. Merrick Garland, the guy that said that he thought rape, the song about rape was just fantastic, the best part of the musical. Um, he just got confirmed uh, in the Senate at a vote of uh, seventy to thirty. And so, uh, you know, no, uh, no problem. The Democrats, the of course, the Democrats thought he was a great choice to be Attorney General, but so did uh, I think twenty Republicans, and they were Roy Blunt and Richard Burr and Shelley Caputo and uh, Bill Cassidy and uh, Susan Collins and John Cornyn and Joni Ernst and uh, Lindsey Graham and Chuck Grassley and James Imhoff and Ron Johnson. And uh, um, uh, Jim Lankford and Mitch McConnell, Jerry Moran, Lisa Murkowski, Rob Portman, uh, Mitt Romney, Mike Rounds, John Thune, and uh, Tillis. Uh, they all voted in favor of Merrick Garland. Uh, one observation has been made about Garland from this writer, Sundance, who writes about national security issues and what's going on in Washington. Uh, this is what he said. He says that Garland is going to be expediting weaponizing the DOJ against Trump supporters. And he said in his hearing, Garland told the Senate Judiciary Committee last month that he will supervise the prosecution of white supremacists and others who stormed the Capitol, just as he did as a federal prosecutor investigating the 1995 Oklahoma City bombing. So that is not good news. It's one more wheel coming off the bus. And, um, I just have to report, I tell you, this morning I heard, and maybe we'll play this next week, uh, a Navy chaplain tell the story of how he was, he took a bus of 200 to the uh, January 6th to the Capitol, and it was from South Carolina, and he said he described they went to support President Trump, Uh, they knew that the Senate and the House were doing this joint session, and after President Trump spoke, they walked toward that with their flags and singing and uh, you know, with the idea to encourage uh, people in the Capitol to, um, you know, to do what was right, to not accept those first electors, but stop and have that two-hour discussion as the Constitution uh, and the rules allow at, before you accept these electors. And so uh, that's why they went there. That's why I would have gone there. That is exactly what we understood that was going to happen. They talked about when he got close to the Capitol. It goes into great detail, and I will. I hope to pull that and play it for you next week. But he talks about what he saw. He said he saw very suspicious characters. He said he saw one guy. He said when he looked and saw people starting to break the windows, he said they were not dressed like Trump supporters. They were dressed in black and gray. And he said one young guy that was walking away, I don't recall exactly what he saw him doing, but he had a Trump uh, hat on, and when he was walking away from the crowd, he took the Trump hat and slung it as far as he could throw it. Um, these are the kinds of things he saw. So after this was over with, someone contacted him. Uh, he didn't go into the Capitol. I don't think he went. Yes, he did say he went in. The, the, he said the guard said, come on in. 
He said they, that he said no. He didn't know it was if it was Capitol Police or who it was, but they said you know the barriers are down. You can come on in, and so he went inside um, and they observed, and then they decided to leave. They went back home, and when he got back home, he got a call from a friend, and he said, "Hey, you are you willing to speak out about what you saw because uh, they're 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 now blaming Trump supporters for that, and I and that's not what we saw." So he yes, he said, "I will. I'll talk to the FBI." So he did, and it became. A nightmare. He told the FBI everything he had seen, thinking in good faith that he could help. Uh, And he said it went cordially enough. He talked about his long-term service, his service during Vietnam, uh, his service to the U.S., through the Navy. And then he said suddenly it turned very dark. And he said to them, they started quizzing him and getting very aggressive. And he said, am I under an investigation? Uh, And so, but uh, then he went on to talk about travel after that. He said he's been he's stopped in the airports. They'll stop him. They they did a strip search. Uh, they went through his bags. They went through his companions' bags. They uh, they demanded the notes he had written on the plane. I mean, it is it's it's shocking. And I'm just telling you that. And this would be uh, the uh, the TSA at the airport uh, spotting him. You know, marking his stuff, taking him out of line. He describes a, it's a very long story, and uh, he told it very well. Uh, but I'm telling you that um, there is trouble on the horizon. I cannot give you false hope. I can't do that. I can give you real hope through the Lord Jesus and through the fact that we know that God is ultimately um, uh, the the arbitrator of justice, and there will be justice, but maybe not yet and not in our lifetime. And that's the hard thing for Christians to understand, that God's timing is not ours. Uh, but there are some really bad things happening. The House passed the Biden $1.9 trillion COVID relief package, the one that only has 9% relief for the people. The rest of it is just complete pork for uh, San Francisco, you know, New York City, Chicago, teachers' unions. Uh, and you know, I've been telling you about it. Uh, it's, a, it's a nightmare bill. It will put plunge us further in debt and possibly cause uh, the beginning of some really bad inflation. But hey, it got passed by the House, the COVID relief bill. Uh, then also, um, last night, Fauci, uh, you know, our guru on all things COVID, uh, was on, uh, well, you know what, actually, I don't know what program he was on, because this is a lift out. Uh, but I want you to hear what he has to say, because basically, he's telling you that, um, well, you know, we don't really have the science for this stuff we're ordering, but it's kind of a judgment call. If you don't believe he said that, you can listen to this, and following him is the person, one of the persons that I go to for information on COVID, who I trust, Alex Berenson, a former New York Times reporter, whose wife is a physician. He lives in New York City, so you're going to hear Dr. Fauci, then Alex Berenson responding. Let's listen. What's the science behind not saying it's safe for people who have been vaccinated, receive two doses, to travel? You know, that's a very good question, John, and, and the CDC is carefully heading in that direction. They want to get science. They want to get data. And then when you don't have the data and you don't have the actual evidence, then you've got to make a judgment call. It was stunning in its honesty. The truth is all of this is a judgment call. The truth is that a year ago, we thought briefly that this virus was much more dangerous than it's turned out to be. There were estimates that, you know, that the death rate from infection might be one, two, three percent, which would have been you know, hundreds of millions of people around the world potentially dying, ten, you know, up to 10 million Americans dying if it were 3%. Uh, it's turned out to be much, much lower than that. There was a new paper in the British Medical Journal that said 
uh, in Britain, in people over 30 who are more at risk, it was about 0.25%. That's one in 400. So, so we know that this virus is much less dangerous than we initially thought. And what that should have led to over the last 12 months is an understanding that we, we didn't need these society destroying and, you know, and school closing measures, these, these, these no, very tough restrictions that have really warped our society. Yet yeah. instead of backing down, people like Fauci are doubling down. Yes, and not only Fauci, but people like Governor Gavin Newsom, California being the most shut-down state in the country, just listen to what he had to say, and then Alex Berenson's comments following that. Clip one. When this pandemic ends, and it will end soon, we're not going to go back to normal, because I think we all agree, normal was never good enough. You know, normal accepts inequity, so our journey back must also be a path to close those inequities. There is no economic recovery, no economic recovery without economic justice. It, it is amazing to hear him say that because, you know, there's this recall election potentially on the horizon for him. And it sounds like he's decided to tack to the left and not to the right, that he that he's that he's openly saying, I don't think nor I don't think we're going to get back to normal is very strange. Now, what I, I mean, to me, what we should be saying is. The vaccines, uh, you know, they're likely to do some good, but they are not 95% effective. That's pretty clear from the data out of Israel. So we're going to have to live with this. We're going to learn to live with this. You will get your lives back. And we should be happy about that. Instead, you know, uh, they're going the other way. The vaccines are, you know, you have to get the vaccine because it's completely effective. And yet it changes nothing. I don't understand the messaging at all. The WHO a few months ago said that we could get to herd immunity with a combination of natural immunity, recovery from infection and vaccines. They quietly changed that to say only vaccine immunity counted. The politics uh, of, of vaccines yeah. are we, we could do a whole segment on that. Yes. And uh, that's what I try to bring to your attention almost every day. This is a political move. Uh, it has nothing to do with science. It is a judgment. It's a judgment call, as Anthony Fauci said. It's a judgment call. They've decided uh, and uh, Gavin Newsom has expressed in living color that uh, you'll never be back to normal, even with the vaccine. You still can't go out because there has to be equity. There has to be economic justice. What does that mean? Well, you do know what that means, right? It's a di- redistribution of wealth. That's what they're trying to achieve. Uh, that's what Gavin Newsom has just told us uh, plainly. Pretty shocking. Uh, so uh, when we come back, I'm going to go to, uh, we've gotten so many email from you. Oh boy, have we ever. Uh, and I'm going to try to respond to some of your inquiries in email. So please stay tuned. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Christians, they're suffering big time in Africa, and they need our help. Hi, this is Michael Woolworth with Bible League International, and Pastor Lumo ministers in Mozambique near the Indian Ocean. He's been beaten in jail not for what he believes, but for how he lives out his faith. You see, Lumo has been quietly and faithfully sharing the gospel with Muslims, and many have come to Christ in recent months. But extremists here, they have assaulted him, his family, and many in his church. But you know what? They're not asking for an end to the persecution they face. They're praying for Bibles to open and read every day, in order to be able to endure and persevere as new followers of Christ. Hey, give thanks if your pastor hasn't been beaten in jail, but please don't turn a deaf ear to these pleas for Bibles. Instead, help support the church in Africa by sending a Bible to these waiting Christians at only $5 a Bible or $100 sins 20. Call 800-YES-WORD, 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 or visit sendbiblesnow.org. That's sendbiblesnow.org, and God bless you for caring. 
The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relief. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. Virginia teachers, take the lead in education with up to 64% off your graduate degree at Liberty University. This year has forced you to innovate, adapt, overcome, and you've not only risen to the challenge, you've crushed it. Now help education emerge from this crisis stronger than ever with your MAT or MED degree. Our transfer-friendly degree programs are 100% online and start as low as $282 per credit hour. It's our thanks for all you do for our future. To learn more, text TEACHER to 49595. That's TEACHER to 49595. Beth Moore, the anti-Trump Bible teacher, announced she's no longer a Southern Baptist, spilling the beans to Religion News Service, saying she no longer identifies with Southern Baptist because of the denomination's past regarding racism and, of course, President Trump. Moore suffered significant backlash after she became one of the most outspoken critics of the president. Some said the ferocity of her opposition was a form of Trump derangement syndrome. Her book sales plummeted, as did ticket sales to her events from fiscal year 2017 to 2019, her ministry lost more than $1.8 million. Thousands of women posted messages critical of Mrs. Moore on my social media pages. She continues to berate evangelical Trump supporters, saying the president became the poster child of the great white hope of evangelicals and the salvation of the church in America. Beth Moore not only left the Southern Baptist, she's gone full-blown woke. I'm Todd Starnes. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. All right, Sandy Rios, back with you. And, uh, you know, I've been asking, <laughs> we ask for your comments uh, about the show. And if you didn't, weren't tuned in on those days, uh, we had an enormous increase in the, the amount of people listening to our podcast. I don't know about the broadcast. You know, we're on almost 200 stations. But on the podcast, it was, we I think we went up to 740,000 people last month. And, um, so we have a significant audience, and so I'm, we've been sort of looking at what we're doing, and we want to do it the very best way we can. So I've asked for your input, <laughs> and boy, did we ever get it. I, I've been reading and reading and reading and reading, and then this morning, I had as many this morning as I thought I had made my way through. So I, I didn't actually, some of them, you know, I can't, I haven't read them all yet, but we will. And I could I just say, uh, thank you so much. You, you can't imagine... Uh, what a joy and a blessing it was to read your even the ones that did, even those of you who disagree or don't like this and that. I don't care. I mean, I really appreciate it. That's what friends do, don't they? They speak honestly to each other, and so I appreciate all of your comments. Um, and I am trying to read every single one of them. Uh, so I've uh, um, one of the things that many people said. Lots of people said this 
in uh, their comments was that they really enjoyed when my husband, the former FBI agent, uh, special agent Bruce, joins me. And so I asked him to join me this morning because I made him read these two. Good morning, honey. Good morning. So, so, so that's what we did last night, right? We read. Yes, we did, <laughs> and read and read. <laughs> it was fun. Well, uh, yeah. So, um, your overall impressions, and then we'll get, we're going to go to Adam because he's t- been taking some tallies here to give us some some scoop on stuff. Well, first of all, I thought they were very uplifting. And again, even the ones that might be somewhat negative or chastising, that's fine. That's that's what you need in order to improve. But what struck me was the depth of your audience, their love of Jesus, uh, their hunger and thirst for the truth, uh, regardless of how bad or how good it is, and the hope that we have, no matter how bad the news gets, People are really expressing their hope. Yeah, exactly. So that's, I thought so too. And uh, I also was curious to know, uh, look, we, we we don't have the capacity to do a scientific survey, and we did not ask you to tell us, you know, if you were uh, male or female, your age, your geography, but some of you had that on your email. So I asked Adam to just do a, an unscientific, like, overview of, uh, of what, you know, how men and women, maybe a kind of a general idea of age, uh, and also geography. So as best we can, that's a very uneven way to do it. Uh, Adam is my producer back in Tupelo, and there he is right there with me. Good morning, Adam. Good morning. <laughs> All right, so, so, uh, with, uh, what, how, so what did you find here? Just tell us. What did you, what did you find? Okay, um, of the ones that self-identified which state that they were in, uh, we had 30 of the 50 states represented, so most of the states are represented. Uh, Texas and Arkansas had the most, I guess, uh, proud of uh, letting us know that they were uh, they were listening from there. So there's uh, 20, 30, 30, about 32 that self-identified in Texas and uh, about 20 that uh, self-identified from Arkansas. So those two states really re- represented. But like I said, 50 of the, I mean, 30 of the 50 states uh, self-identified that they were from okay. wherever, whatever corresponding state. Okay. All right, How here's about- two two interesting things. Okay. Outside of the states, we had two that identified outside of the states. So we have a North Ireland, uh, Northern Ireland listener, and we have somebody that is in Suffolk, England that's listening. Yeah, yeah, that's cool, isn't it? That's fun. That's very fun. Uh, the, our Northern Ireland buddy has uh, written before, and actually, that must be one of the email I haven't gotten to yet. So forgive me, but I love I love hearing what he has to say because the way he writes, you can tell he's Irish. There are some words in there, and I could just hear his his voice in my head. So uh, that is a lot of fun. Uh, but we love to hear from each and every one of you. We it is amazing to me. Uh, th- you know, through the miracles of uh, podcast and the AFR app. And by the way, if you're listening and you're wondering, uh, how could how could my friends uh, be outside of the broadcast station areas listen? They can download the AFR Talk app on their phone. Or you can go listen to AFR.net. Uh, that you can find it there and the podcast. You can listen later if you can't listen at that during uh, the exact time that we're on. So that, that's the advantage of that. Uh, how about, um, did you notice any trend between male and female? All right. Um, I, I didn't get 
all of them because some of them were uh, had ambiguous names. Some you know sometimes a Jamie is a female, sometimes a Jamie is a male. So I didn't put down either stat on those. But the ones that were primarily female or male, it was a one forty three to one hundred three. So it was, it was a little bit more of an advantage for females responding to us than than males. All right. How about age? All right, age. Um, I broke. Yeah, it down. no, no, they don't all say. <laughs> no, I, Very few people call and say, but, but they do. They do add their ages a lot. We we only had about twenty two that gave their age, um, and uh, a majority of those, twelve of those were over sixty, uh, and uh, ten of them were under. Uh, 60. So I can break it down even further than that, but that's just a generalized no, no. Uh, way of breaking it down. So Okay. All right. Okay. So that gives us a good idea of uh, of at least the, uh, you know, kind of an idea of the ones that did identify their age or their, their gender or their state. So Adam, thank you very, very much. Um, I don't want to get into this first segment. We're going to talk about some of the things, some of your comments, but I really want to address uh, some of the things that you ask, I we got some great suggestions. I mean, I people again said that they enjoy having me, enjoy, including Bruce, and I do too. So uh, we will do that um, more often. Also, several of you had comments about our opening, <laughs> so I'm going to talk about that. Oh well, let me read this one first. This is Quentin. He says, "I'm a fairly new AFR listener. I found you guys about two years ago in Central Georgia." Um, uh, I was listening to NPR one morning, as I sometimes do, and uh, I used to do, and I could take it for only about two minutes. <laughs> so I got fed up with their lies, and I flipped the channel up and heard you for the first time a couple of years ago. It was so refreshing. Yeah, that was just a cool little story. And Quentin, thank you. I had another girl say something similar. So that's just fun. And thank you for sharing that with us. Now, I want to tackle some of these details Um this is, I got this from several people, so I, I have to address it. I will read the comments first. This is from Jeanette. Um, I would, something about she wishes I would change that opening statement. We are not called to be nice. Uh, one of the major things that children are taught now is that one of the most important things they need to do is be kind. I believe that is in part a call out against conservatives, as there's an overall perception that Christians and conservatives are not loving and, yes, hateful. And then Fink says something similar. I don't like that sentence. We are not called to be nice. Um, maybe use agreeable, uh, but the scripture says be kind one to another. He says a lot more things, but I just wanted to give you an idea. All right, let me address that. I have to tell you that that is, um, that is uh, a speech I gave my staff. At, that's, part, that's the theme of a speech I gave to my staff when I first came to Washington in 2001. Uh, my staff at Concerned Women for America, I, I gave them this uh, speech about not, this is just the staff, about not, we're not called to be nice. And they responded the same way. It's like, they, they, I mean, they were very respectful, but wow, it was like I could see it on their faces. What do you mean we're not called to be nice? What do you mean? I mean, that's, we were raised to be nice, right? Be nice, Sandra Kay, my mother used to say. Just be nice. Now be nice. I heard that. I heard it in church. I heard it at home. And I need to explain to you, uh, as best I can, why that's important. Uh, I personally think, I'm going to go to the, the uh, total opposite end, I personally think uh, the, um, the stress on being nice has been the thing that is, uh, if you could capsulize, has been one of the things that has weakened the response of the church. 
uh, we are always worried about being nice. And I would make the case that being nice is not about God. It's about our reputation. We're worried about being perceived as being nice. Now be nice. Don't mean it. Was she nice? He was nice. Oh, I can't um, say. I can't say anything about that. It wouldn't be nice. Uh, let me just point out that um, I think if you were to, act, to check the historical record and if you were to check the scriptures, you would find that Jesus would never be described as nice. He was very direct. Now, kind is different. Gentle is different. Uh, but uh, nice is a very different adjective. Nice con- conjures up your own reputation. Jesus wasn't worried about being nice. Uh, that's why he drove out the money changers from the temple. He was so angry. He responded. Uh, that's why he called the Pharisees, you blind guides, you hypocrites. Uh, you're, you, you know, uh, what is that? You have a mouth like an open sepulcher, like a grave. You smell like a grave. You, I mean, this is, this, that wasn't nice. Yet he is our example. How do you explain that? Well, let me ask you, are we called to righteous anger? Are we called to be angry and sin not? Are we to have anger over the, the new wave of pedophilia that's trying to be mainstream in our culture? I can't even get to that this morning. Does that make you angry? Does that make you want to not be nice? I think maybe it does. And the reason we don't act is because we want to be nice. That's not what Jesus was saying. And when I say on that opening, we need to be confrontational, I'll give you a good example. Is it nice to confront your best friend about her flirtations with another woman's husband? Is that nice? No, I wasn't very nice. Do you do it? Do you not do it because you don't want to be perceived as being nice? There are times, uh, I, I can tell you from my own experience, when I started doing a lot of television, um, I had the church girl niceness, and that to me is not a fruit of the Spirit. Uh, I was raised that way. But when I got into the lion's den and had to start arguing with my words, I recognized that my niceness was really worthless. If I spoke out in righteous anger, that is exactly what was called for in those moments, because almost every topic was something that would produce righteous anger. So I'm not going to back away from that. I want you to think. Why do you want to be nice? And what does it mean? Be kind, be loving, be selfless. Um, all of the fruits of the Spirit. But that does not negate the, the need to fight. Fight! You have to fight sometimes. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. And you know what? If you do that, people won't think you're nice. So um, I, I, there's a lot more to say about that. But I just want to give you my reasoning because I stick to it. I think it's the reason why churches are not standing up. It's why pastors are not fighting. It's why we don't have a a black-robed regiment fighting what's happening in our country. I I think it's the reason why our men have been feminized. They all think they have to be nice. They've forgotten about David's mighty men and all of the things that God has called men to be because they're concerned about being nice. I I could go on and on, but I'll stop with that one. All right, so then, um, yeah, yeah, so... I want to address, let's see, how much time? I'm going to bring Bruce in on the last segment, <laughs> but I want him to come and sit with me first. Um, this I want to address, because I'm actually, this, several of these really, really uh, moved me. Um, this is, a lot of people ask about my, my comments on COVID. 
some people are upset because they don't think, they rightly say, I'm not a medical person and I should not be giving medical advice. And I totally agree with that. I don't uh, try to give medical advice. I would say that on COVID, um, as you just heard out of the mouth of Anthony Fauci, uh, it is my perception because of my reading that there is no definitive science on this stuff. Anthony Fauci himself said that masks were just meant for us to feel better about ourselves. They really were not effective. He said that before he said they were effective and before he said to wear a double mask and a triple mask. The duplicitousness and the constant changing of the rules is a cue to me uh, that they don't know what they're doing. So I, who do I listen to? I listen to Alex Berenson and I listen to uh, Daniel Horowitz. Uh, I listen to a lot of doctors whose names I can't remember in this moment, but I try to. Ver- I certainly do verify my sources. When it comes to the vaccine, I try to make it very clear to you that I don't. I am not telling you not to take it, and I'm not telling you to take it. But I am reporting to you the things I'm hearing because I. Because how could I not do that? Uh, there was another woman who died, a mom, a young mom who died in uh, Utah four days after she took that second COVID vaccine dose. She has a little daughter who's uh, six years old, and she's gone. Her name is um, Cassidy Carrill. She lived in Ogden, Utah, and uh, it describes how she, how she died. It's, it's horrible. Now, do you not want to know about that, those of you that are considering taking it? Um, I think we don't know. It's an experimental vaccine, and we don't know. And I've told you I'm not going to take it, but I will take it. If it means I cannot see my kids again, I will take it. Otherwise, I don't think the, the um, odds of me dying of COVID, I might get it, but the odds of me dying are not very high. And so I would rather take my chances, you know, in the natural way uh, than to take that vaccine about which we don't know, don't know enough. All right, so um, this is another one. This is, okay, yeah. Several of you mentioned this about the opening, and this is from Vince. He said, I don't need to hear one more time that you are a musician and you can't help it. <laughs> that's on the opening. Now, that <laughs> that's, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that's called a non sequitur. It is meaningless. It doesn't mean anything. Uh, it, it was an interaction with a listener uh, or, you know, early on, not in this show, actually on another show. And we were just laughing, and that was just lifted out because it was a crazy statement. It had nothing to do with being a musician. It's just a non-sequitur. That's all it is. And so uh, we just thought it was fun. But evidently, it's not fun for some of you. All right, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to come back. And I know, I know, I understand. Things irritate. I get that. Uh, so we are listening, and maybe we'll redo that opening and do something else fun. You see, you've per- urged me on to do that. So uh, Cindy Rios with you, along with my sweetheart, Bruce. And we'll be back after this with more of uh, more of your suggestions. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. There are some oh, horrendous things that have been taking place. Bishop E. W. Jackson. But, but, the good news is that God is still on the throne. Jesus is still King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Tune in to The Awakening, weekdays at noon central on American Family Radio. He said in the world you would have tribulation. He said, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. And uh, that's the way we've got to approach all this stuff. I refer to your part-time jobs as what you do outside of your home, outside of your family, to generate an income for your family. Your full-time job is what you do within your family. We're on the go consistently. People are hustling, trying to get it. 
And I just want to remind everybody to whoa, 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 pump the brakes. Make sure that we are not neglecting our families in the process. Tune in to the Hamilton Quarter, weekdays at 5 p.m. Central on American Family Radio. Show up at your full-time job, ready to work. <laughs> Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Many who oppose Christianity target their hostility on our foundation, the Bible. They say it's unreliable because Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 are contradictory accounts of the creation story. In actuality, the two chapters are complementary and not contradictory. When Jesus was asked about marriage, he quoted from both chapters 1 and 2 in saying that he made them both to be male and female in the beginning. And for this cause shall a man leave his mother and father and cleave unto his wife. Genesis 1 is an overview of the creation story. Genesis 2 is an up-close examination of day 6. If Jesus relies on them both, so can we. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Brian Fisher here with today's Life and Liberty Minute. Chika Uzugbanum, a student at Gwinnett College in Georgia, won a huge First Amendment victory this week at the Supreme Court. In 2016, Chike was sharing his faith with students and handing out literature on campus about Christianity. Campus police stopped him and told him he could only do it in a small designated area. So he reserved that spot, but campus police stopped him again, saying you can't talk about your faith because people are complaining. But the Supreme Court ruled 8-1 to one that, quote, Uzugbanum had experienced a complete violation of his constitutional rights when respondents enforced their speech policies against him, end quote. In truth, the First Amendment establishes all of America as one entire free speech zone. Gwinnett College should remember that for a long, long time. Catch Brian Fisher on Focal Point, weekday afternoons at 105 Central on American Family Radio. This is Frank Gaffney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Joe Biden addresses the nation in prime time tonight about his response to the pandemic the Chinese Communist Party unleashed on this country and the rest of the world. Yet, you're unlikely to hear him mention the source of the ensuing catastrophe. Another example of Biden-Harris efforts to appease Beijing is its tortured acknowledgement that the CCP has engaged in genocide and that nothing has changed in its behavior. But the State Department refuses to admit that the genocide is ongoing. Avoidable wars sometimes begin with miscalculations. Chinese dictator Xi Jinping may perceive an opportunity between such symbolic signs of our submission, his government's deep compromise of the Biden family, and the president's mental infirmity, which must have been evident in the course of their recent two-hour conversation, that the time is ripe for aggression. Any such perception must be convincingly countered now. This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. All right, Sandy Rios, back with you. Hey, uh, listen, uh, one more time, let me thank you for all your responses uh, to, you know, to the show and just suggestions. I just appreciate it so much. I want to follow up uh, on, a, on one thing here I uh, because, like, people like Kathy – uh, are upset because they feel she feels I've given incorrect medical information about COVID. She's a retired registered nurse, and um, 
So she says, please seek out medical consultants. Our health officer gives out regular COVID updates that are medically accurate and truthful. See, the thing of it is, Kathy, I don't think those COVID updates are. I don't, I don't trust them because they're coming out of the CDC and the World Health Organization. I think there's as much corruption in the medical field right now because they make a ton more money if something's COVID-related. So I have a lot of mistrust, and I want to give a better response to where some of my sources are. I just didn't have the pieces of paper in my hand, but there's a great source, the Great Barrington Declaration. You can find it online, the Great Barrington Declaration. It's signed by doctors from all over the world who are immunologists about uh, the, the horrible way COVID has been handled. And I'm, at sync, I'm in sync with their views of this, and I look to them also, uh, when I was talking to, about injuries from COVID this week, I was using the official CDC site. It's the VAERS data, V-A-E-R-S. It's the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting. So those, that was my source about people dying from that. And one last thing, uh, I want to just say, this is from Norman, and uh, he just he wrote this beautiful email, and uh, he talked about how he received the first shot, but after hearing me talk, he did not get the second one, but his wife did. And he told his son, who was a nurse, and he told his son that he believed me. So, Norman, that's uh, very honoring. But it also makes me just please know I am not a doctor. I don't claim that. And I do not, I have not said, and I want to make sure you know, not to take the vaccine. I just am telling you what's happening to people when they take it. I'm telling you I'm not personally going to take it. You might decide you want to take it. And so... um I just want to be real clear about that because I care about you and I'm not qualified to tell you to take it or not take it. I'm just telling you what we're hearing that's happening to people that are, and you have to make that decision, which is obviously what you've done. Okay, honey, uh, you help me read these, and at least part of them, we've got another, we've got twice as much to read now, but what did you see that really stood out to you? Well, I saw a lot of people um, talk about the pace of the show and how it has to be hurried along because there's only an hour. And really, when you, when you take out the breaks and everything, it's probably 40 minutes. And a lot of people are asking for a second hour, or they're asking for a podcast additional hour, something of that uh, nature. Uh, a lot of people uh, would like to uh, hear more stories about the experiences in their life where God has had an effect on them. Um, and, uh, of course, we can never have, you know, if you spent the entire show doing it, that it wouldn't be enough. I mean, we, we can't even begin to quantify that. But you know what, though? I think, uh, I, I do think, I've a- actually thought of this, maybe same but different, uh, because the news is uh, getting bad and it's going to get worse. <laughs> I think it's going to get worse. I have, uh, I, you, as you know, Bruce, uh, I had a discussion recently with Dr. Lutzer about presenting heroes of the faith. Um, and doing a series on that, people that have really uh, taken a stand, whether they're historical or whether they're current, and uh, and spending some time on that. So I think that's actually a very good a very good suggestion. Well, uh, one thing that really encouraged me too was uh, reading the number of people that have been inspired by the show to get involved, whether it be getting involved to say being poll watchers, uh, registering people to vote, uh, getting involved in their school their children's school, uh, running for school board, uh, getting involved in their church. Uh, I, I think that, and I, I'm as guilty of it as anybody, I think that we have gotten very used to being very comfortable. And it's like, well, somebody else will do that. And you know what? That's not the way it works. Uh, we have a responsibility. Um, we're called even to be more responsible. I always say Christians should be held to a higher standard than other people 
because we know better or we're supposed to know better and we need to get involved because things are slipping away. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Bruce, people have, I've seen that too. Uh, I've experienced that through the years and I told you last night, one of the greatest, well, I shouldn't say it, this is a, this is a big compliment to me that rewarding is what I'm trying to say, is when I hear people say I've never been active before doing anything outside of, you know, the normal things. And I, I'm active. I'm, I want to do something. I am doing something. I, you know, and that, that thrills me. I've had kids through the years. They were homeschooled who used to listen to me. Not, not, a, not a few. And to say, they, they, oh, hi, I'm, you know, I'm John. I listened to you when I was homeschooled and um, I'm, I'm now in college and I'm studying political science. I mean, that's just uh, thrilling to me. Honestly, Bruce, that's, that's thrilling. Uh, and, of course, the spiritual legacy goes without saying. That's the most important thing to me. If I can example um, faithful faithfulness to God, whatever you do. One thing people ask, as you know, they, they ask me if I could be more, uh, if I could give them more of an idea of what to do. I give all these dreadful stories, and so then what can they do about it? And that is a challenge. Uh, it's a challenge because of uh, well, I won't blame it on this solely, but it is true. The time constraints make it really hard. Also, just for me to think through each of those stories and think about what you can do about it is a challenge because it's just one of me. <laughs> yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And that actually was going to be my next point is that it comes through loud and clear that people listening really want to get involved and help. But the most frustrating thing, and I find this again with myself, the most frustrating thing is how do we do that? Yeah. Where do we go? How do we start? Uh, you know, usually uh, getting started is the most difficult part usually. And, and uh, you know, we hear, oh, you ought, you ought to be involved. Well, that's very general. You know, that doesn't tell you how do I start to get involved. And um, I guess the positive thing in that regard, though, is that the incentive and the will to get involved is there. It just needs channeling. I just... Yeah, you know, honey, I just had a private conversation with some friends of ours at church, and the husband and wife were asking me about that because they listen to the show, and I always say, say something, do something, and they take that seriously. And I know a lot of people do. Well, what do I mean by that? And I, I uh, found I, I, I needed to explain to them, and which I'll say to all of you, look, um, sometimes we think that means I get a website and start an organization, or that means I have to run for something, or I've got to do something great. I've got to find this niche that's my calling. Or, And you know what? If God wants you to do that, he probably pretty much pulls you into it. it you'll, your life circumstances will draw you, your own passions, because God's will is our will as long as we're in his will. God's will for us is our will as long as we are in his will. When we're serving, we're in communion with him. Uh, he, he leads us, and often the things that we desire or we're drawn to, uh, that's exactly what he wants us to do. But the other part of this is it doesn't have to be something big. That's why I say do something. Just start. Just say something. Do, do something, say something. Just one thing and baby steps. Uh, be faithful. Talk to you. You know, when it comes up in conversation, I've never been one to lead with politics. I don't do that. Uh, Bruce can tell you, I don't lead with uh, the Republican Party and the political, you know, I don't. I don't want to be known that way. Uh, the first thing out of my mouth when I have a chance to naturally say it is Jesus. 
or God or prayer or uh, it's that's how I start conversations or drop in just to let people know and then if they want to follow up if they want to take that then they we can have a conversation uh, but just that's what I'm talking about just let God lead you and you can do go get involved in your school and some of you are better equipped you could run for school board I think the real practical truth right now is there isn't much we can do on a national level there are a few things and I'm t- I'm going to tell you about those when they come uh, but uh, you know the cat, like the the horse is kind of out of the barn. It's a, it's a nightmare in Capitol Hill right now. Um, but you still have a lot to do with local politics, and they are good. Lots of the states still have great governments, and so uh, that's that's one place that you can you know find out who's running, support them, get involved yourself. And so that's a long answer. Okay, anything else stand out to you, honey? Um, well. <laughs> And this will, I'm going to lather you up a little bit here. <laughs> For a change. No, no, I'm not kidding. One, I'm like, one no. thing I really enjoyed is the stories of people uh, and the lengths they go to to listen to the show. I mean, we have people out on the West Coast that are getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning just to listen. They don't have to be at work at that time, but they're searching out Sandy. Uh, there's other stories that were uplifted. Uh, there were people that live in areas that, it's really, really difficult to get the show. Internet service is bad. Radio service is bad. Uh, we had uh, a, a listener who basically uses three modes, maybe all in the same day, to try to listen to the show. They'll start on the radio. The radio signal fails. They'll go to the Internet. The Internet goes down. They'll go back to the radio. And so I, I just think that I don't, I'm not saying this just to compliment you, but the importance of, of what AFA is trying to uh, express to people about uh, things they need to be aware of and things we need to be doing. Um, I think that most people on the other side, they would have given up by then, you know, uh, and it just, uh, those things I think really speak to uh, another, another thing is how many pastors wrote in, you know, I think pastors are really struggling right now and it was, and it goes, to uh, a lot of it goes to what you were talking about in the opening about being nice. Uh, you know, when people are trying to ruin your church, it's not the time to be nice. You can be, you can be sweet to people. You can be nice to people. But when it comes to the issue, you can't be nice. You have to be. Uh, you have to meet it with where it, where it comes from and. Uh, uh, like you say, nice is such a, a malleable term. Um, agreeable, we always have to be agreeable. We can't get uh, surly with people or ugly. Like pick fights. Yes, you're not but trying to right pick fights. a fight. But the right fights, you got to like, fight. <laughs> I was talking to a neighbor of mine the other day, and he's such a liberal. I really enjoy him, but he's such a liberal. And he made a statement. He goes, well, I, I was watching the news, and everything's good. And I'm just flabbergasted but then it dawned on me yeah the news he's watching cnn he loves cnn the news is good but that's because that's their slant on it mm-hmm. if you'd watch what we watch you wouldn't say the news is good yeah so uh, but you but i can't be mad at him i i i i'm okay i'm nice to him but I'm not going to just take it and just say oh well i not have to be nice so i can't you, say anything <laughs> right, exactly, back to him exactly Righteousness requires anger and action sometimes, confrontation. 
like a, a family member who's uh, or a friend. Again, I'm going to go back to illustration, a friend who's uh, maybe in, engaging in an affair or starting it. It requires a look if it's it requires uh, confrontational skills and confrontation, and that's what we have to do to family members that are misbehaving or uh, and so but I think that's the reason, honestly, this is a whole other subject, Bruce. I really think that's the why why so many people are having trouble with their adult children because they feel like they have to be nice, mm-hmm. and they're not really speaking plainly to their kids. I want to read this last one because it's important. It's, it's a sad thing, but I, I just feel I need to read. This is from Tracy. Tracy has some lovely things to say. I like your bright and positive attitude. You encourage people. You give us suggestions of what can be done. And uh, he said, I feel like, I think it's, I'm not sure if it's he or she, I feel more like I'm listening to a, a friend or even family rather than a host. And that's a huge compliment, Tracy. Then he, he goes, I'm going to say he because I don't know Tracy. He goes on to talk about incredibly difficult physical problems he's going with, going through. I mean, liver failure, um, severe ulcerative colitis, um, just unbelievable suffering. And... Uh, Terrible bone-on-bone arthritis, poor health. And he said, sorry, my story is so sad. I just pray God's mercy will let me die or get me home. I sometimes wonder if I messed up by not taking my life before all the struggles currently I'm going through. I don't feel like I would be right because I'm pro-life, but living is so hard. Tracy, I have to say to you a couple of things. I Honestly, you might not. I have actually been there where I didn't want to live. I have. And I have a few, not physical, not my personal physical problems, but my daughter's and all the pressures of my life at that time um, that, I, that I can't detail. But my life was just too hard. I didn't think I could bear it. And I want to say to you, Tracy, uh, that we are to love God, you know, with all of our heart and all of our mind. And when your emotions take you to that dark place, remember your mind. Remember all the things that God has done for you. Itemize them sing about them, write them down, all of the blessings, uh, repeat God's promises over and over and over again. And remember, one day, one hour, one moment at a time, ask God to fill you with His Holy Spirit, and you can do this, Tracy. Sandy Rios in the morning, AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.